pretty sure I really don't need to preach a sermon after that, but um, it's part of the service. So, uh, We um, are in our Overwhelmed but Overcoming series, sermon series, and um, it's brought up some really heavy issues, and today uh, is one of the heaviest. We're going to talk about shame. My daughter Molly asked me uh, yesterday, Dad, do you get nervous before you preach? And um, typically I don't necessarily. There's a nervous excitement, but I'm a little nervous today because it is a heavy topic, and um, I want to make sure that we understand biblically as best we can in the next 25 minutes uh, about shame, but also how the gospel, the power of the gospel, can overcome the shame in our lives. So please, please listen for that message this morning, because that is the only message of hope that we have, the power of the gospel to overcome anything in our lives, even shame. Um, we're doing this series because these issues are ones that we actually face, right? And some of you might say, well, that's, these are heavy, and I'm not sure, you know, um, why would we do this? Because this is, this is real life. This is what we face. These are the things that are hard. Life is hard if you haven't figured that out yet. And if you're too young to know how hard life is, just wait. It's going to get harder. Okay? Now, I don't say that to, to despair you or to disparage life uh, that God has created because there's hope in the gospel for every person. We can't just life hack our way through anxiety, greed, and shame. It doesn't work that way. Uh, these issues can devastate our lives um, if we allow them to overwhelm us. And if left unchecked, they can have serious consequences. And so we don't want to go there. We want to, to see the power, uh, the healing power of the gospel. So uh, we need to know that, you need to know that God cares deeply about you. Uh, he knows the struggles you're facing. Regarding all of these issues, he knows your deepest thoughts, the ones that you're hiding in the depths of your heart. God knows the damage they can do to your soul, and he wants you to know that he has created a way to overcome the worst issues that you face in life. God knows all the skeletons in your closet, and guess what? He still loves you. So this morning we're going to take a biblical look at shame. What is shame? Why do we feel shame? How does it affect us? And finally, how the power of the gospel can overcome shame in your life. So let's start by taking a look at when shame first reared its ugly head in the history of mankind. And we're going to start in Genesis 2.25. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, tree, of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman 
saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we approach this uh, difficult topic this morning of shame. Um, we, we want to know, uh, Lord, from you how... Uh, what it means, how, do, how does it affect us, but um, Lord, how we can overcome it. What, what have you done to help us in this? What, what are you doing to continue to, to heal us of shame that we have in our lives, whether it's shame we've brought on ourselves or other people have brought upon us? Lord, give us uh, the gospel, the good news this morning uh, about your love and care for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first thing we want to do is try to figure out what shame is and why do we feel it, okay? Uh, So shame is a little hard to define because it's basically a feeling, Uh, but let's give it a try. And I want to explain it in two ways, and I realize this does not exhaust the meaning of shame, but it gives us a starting point. We've got to start somewhere, and we have limited time. So first of all, shame is a feeling that we get when we have committed a disgraceful act or when a disgraceful act has been done to us. Shame is a feeling that something about us makes us unworthy. It's sort of a basic foundational definition that we're going to work with. So what types of things cause us to feel shame in these ways. What types of things cause us? Well, uh, things like being criticized, uh, abusing or being abused by someone, being humiliated, being disapproved of, being a disappointment to others, being doubted in your abilities or your integrity, being told you don't look a certain way, being born with certain physical features, being told you've not accomplished certain things, or being compared to someone who's supposedly better than you at something. So these are just a few of the um, places where shame comes from. Uh, and I, I think it, it, uh, we see there, there are three main areas where we feel shame, okay? So one, we can bring shame upon ourselves by acting in certain ways, right? Uh, secondly, we feel shame because someone else has acted against us. And then uh, thirdly, uh, or we might feel shame because people have, have just have misguided views on who we are, what we should look like, uh, or what we should be doing, right? Uh, and so for Adam and Eve, as we just saw, Adam and Eve in the garden, um, they had committed a shameful act against God. It's kind of sad. It didn't take them long. It's kind of like their first act with God was disobedience. And God had told them not to eat from the tree of good and evil. We just read that. God said, do not eat of it. 
even though the serpent was trying to lie and, and twist the truth. God told him that there would be consequences if they ate of it. But they ate from it anyway. And guess what? They felt shame. Before, right, it says they were naked and they were unashamed. They did not feel shame of their nakedness. But afterwards, after they had rebelled and committed this act against God, this rebellious act, they felt ashamed. Their eyes were open to their nakedness and they tried to cover it up with fig leaves. It's ridiculous, right? Sad. Um, And I think rightly so, they should have felt shame for their actions. They were guilty of sinning against God and that brought shame upon themselves. So the big question here is, should I feel shame? Should you feel shame? That's a question we want to ask this morning. So let's take a look at three different scenarios regarding this. Scenario number one, if you've done a shameful or disgraceful act, then yes, you should feel shame. However, you don't have to feel that way forever. If you have put your faith in Jesus, then you have been placed into a completely different category. You've been brought into the family of God, right? God has is, God is given you a new identity, okay? Here's how the process works. We're going to run the, through this for each scenario. You commit a shameful act. You sin in some way. All sin is disgraceful and shameful in the sight of God. That's just simple truth. This is what we do. This is what happens. And you feel the guilt and the shame of your sin, okay? But because you are united to Christ by faith, you have the ability to examine your sin, to confess it to the Lord, and repent of it, meaning we turn away from it. And we turn in faith to Jesus, right? Believing that he has forgiven you, and accepts you wholly, completely, and unconditionally. Okay, so that's the first scenario. Yes, when we sin, it's shameful to God. And we feel that. But we don't have to live in it. Okay? We don't, we don't have to wallow in it. We, we, need to, we need to understand, yes, that's a feeling that we have. But then we quickly run to the gospel that says, yes. But there is a solution for that. It is the death of Christ. That's the first scenario. Scenario number two. Someone commits a shameful act against you. Maybe you were abused by someone or humiliated in some way. Or something has happened to you that, that someone did to you. Uh, you know, I've been bullied before and, and humiliated in, in different ways. I remember just a quick story. I was at Young Life Camp working as a staff person at Young Life Camp and um, there was a group of, of, of boys from uh, Louisiana. And this was the roughest group of kids I've ever encountered in my life. Extremely violent young men. And they had threatened to kill another kid, another camper. Okay? And so uh, we had to, uh, it's the middle of the night, we had to deal with this situation. And uh, the camp manager, uh, who is also in Young Life, said, so we, we called the police, but, you know, they're like 20 miles away. So... Uh, we had to deal with it immediately. 
And so, you know, the camp, he's like, we, we got to go up to the room. We've got we've to figure this out, and we've got to take care of the situation. Well, this guy's like this big, burly, you know, college wrestler, and um, he gathers the, the people together that we're going to have to go confront these, these young men uh, who we uh, were told had weapons as well. And um, we've got some summer staff, college guys. Again, uh, we, we gathered the biggest guys we could in camp, right? So uh, we're getting ready to go upstairs to, 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 to their room. And uh, this guy looks behind him. And you know, kind of on the stairs of these groups of guys, this, these guys that we're going in. He, he's like, look, this, is, this, is, this, this might get physical. And he looks at me. He's like, Fletch, wh- why don't you stay at the bottom of the steps? And, you know, we'll, we'll go in and take care of things. And I'm like, wait a second. What? Like, you know, like, it was kind of funny, but not kind of funny. You know, it's one of those situations where, like, I know I'm a nice guy, but, like, if this is what we got to do, we got to do it. Like, I don't know. It was weird. You know, you, you've, you've been shamed in some way, okay? And that, that's, that's a minor situation scenario, especially if, if you've experienced some other form of abuse or, or humiliation. So that's scenario number two. You feel ashamed. And it's normal to feel ashamed in this scenario. Uh, it's, it's just kind of how our mind and our body react when something happens to us. So I kind of felt ashamed, like, what, am I not good enough? Am I not big enough? Am I not strong enough? Am I not, you know, mean enough? What, 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 what was going on there? But you need to understand that you do not need to feel ashamed because of what someone else has done to you. You do not need to feel ashamed of that. That kind of shame is a lie, and it's a false sense of shame. Why should you feel shame for something someone did to you? What happened was not your fault. You're not responsible for other people's actions. And you don't have to carry that shame inside yourself. And so, you know, I I realize that getting rid and overcoming this type of shame uh, is not easy. But you'll have to do some, some soul work in order to, to get rid of it. Some re- renewing of your mind of the scriptures and understanding the gospel in order to push back against this type of false shame. If what was done to you was gravely disturbing or hurtful, then you'll probably need to see a counselor who can help you escape from a false sense of shame. And if, if not a counselor, then a trusted, mature friend who can help you uh, and walk through the healing process uh, of this. The deeper the wound, the longer it may take to heal. It's just consequences of living in this life. Scenario number three, you feel shame due to unchangeable circumstances. For instance, you cannot change who your parents are You cannot change certain physical features you were born with, where you were born, or what ethnicity you are. And so here's the process we go through. We feel ashamed because maybe you grew up in a particular neighborhood or because you were born with freckles. Or in Shay's instance, he was born with Down syndrome. Not his fault. Born into a broken world. Right? And so these are things that are out of your control. You didn't choose them. 
And they have no right to bring you shame. They have no right to bring you shame. You will have to understand that you were born into a sinful world. That's just part of our biblical theology of understanding um, the world that we live in. And that means we're, we're born into families that are broken, parents that are not perfect. We're given bodies that will get sick and have issues, physical, mental issues. And so what will, what will we do? We'll, we'll have to work with the Holy Spirit who dwells in you to believe that God loves you just the way he created you. It's exactly what Shay told us this morning. God loves me just the way I am. How beautiful is that? And God loves you just the way you are. And that even in the midst of an imperfect life and an imperfect body, God, your heavenly Father, loves you deeper than the ocean and he will never, ever leave you or forsake you. So that's sort of the process we go through there. So um, the other thing in my research for this sermon, because it's it's a difficult topic, but I knew we needed to to work on it, I came across a really helpful description uh, of shame and its effect on us. Uh, And I could really, the reason I want to read this, because it it was so relatable to me, and I think you might find it relatable as well, comes from a little devotional by a Christian counselor named Esther Liu. And here's what she writes. It's a little long, but I, I, I couldn't write any better. I couldn't say, say it better than this. Here's what she says. Shame is what many of us experience on a regular basis to varying degrees. We hear the self-doubting, self-loathing voice at work, in school, or at church. It emerges in social situations, in romantic relationships, and in our homes. It creeps into our consciousness when the busyness of our day slows down enough to leave us with our own thoughts. It is the voice that says, you're not enough because of the way you look, because of your weight, your build, or the color of your skin. It is the voice that says, you're not enough because you are still single instead of married with kids, because you've always been different from others, never fitting in. It is the voice that says, you're not enough because of the things you've done in your past because of the things you did and struggled with today, because of the things other people have done to you, things that left you feeling dirty and worthless. It is the voice that says you're not enough because rejection or failure is all you've known in life, because you didn't come from the right kind of family, because you failed to meet the expectations that others, including God, have placed on you or the expectations that you've placed on yourself. Because somewhere along the line, you began to internalize the damaging words of your parent your parents spoke about you when you were a child. It is the voice that says you're not enough because when you look at other people, they don't seem to struggle the way you do. Other people are put together, happy, productive, successful, competent, sociable, popular, loved, sanctified, fruitful, and you simply are not. So not only do you not feel good enough, but you feel alone in not being good enough. You have a sense of deficiency, a feeling that something is wrong with you. I thought, man, that is a description of how I feel a lot of the time. Several months ago, I started to see a counselor because I felt like part of, part of, I was struggling with not finding the joy in life that I felt like I needed to be finding. 
And I think part of it was working through the counseling process and finding out that, that I had a lot of shame built up in my life. And that was believing a lot of lies. Or I was feeling shame about things that I had done in the past or not done in the past. And it began to open my eyes so I could work through uh, the pain of the shame and start the healing process. But shame does cause us to do certain things. What does it cause us to do? How does it affect our behavior? How does feeling the feeling of I'm not good enough or I've done something so bad no one will want me affect what I do or don't do? I think shame leads to at least two things. And again, I understand there's more to it than this, but here are at least two roads. One, shame causes us to hide. We saw that in Genesis 3, right? What, what did Adam and Eve do when they sinned against God and felt shame? They tried to hide from God. Again, kind of ridiculous. You can't hide from God. So we hide because we're afraid of what other people will think or what they'll do if they find out what, what, what we've done or what has been done to us. We keep secret about our shame because we really, really, really don't want anyone to know about what has happened. And so the problem with hiding is that it eats away at our soul. It isolates us from others and puts us into this mental prison. And if we continue to hide and keep our shame a secret, then we will never be released from this prison and it can have psychological consequences to us. I really believe that no matter what you've done or whatever's been done to you or however you're feeling, you need to confess it and talk to someone about that. Now, that needs to be someone that you have full confidence in in their confidentiality, right? It needs to be someone you really trust. Pastor, counselor, friend, spouse. But I think that will help because we try to hide. The second thing, the second kind of road that shame leads us down to doing is shame causes us not to do certain things. Because we feel, we feel that we're not good enough, we avoid doing certain things that we should be doing. We avoid seeking out significant relationships because we're afraid people will not accept us the way that we are. We may not go for a certain job or promotion that we should be striving for. We may not speak truth and encouragement into someone's life because we don't think we are worthy of it ourselves. Isn't that kind of twisted? But I, I feel that way sometimes. And we may not pursue God because we feel like he's angry with us and that we're simply not worthy of his presence or help. We feel that way. We don't have to, but we do. So, after we've laid it out and we feel the, the sense of being overwhelmed by shame in all these different ways, no matter how it comes to us, what is the answer? How, how does the gospel fit into this puzzle? How does the gospel overcome shame in our lives? You guys know I'm a simple person. 
I kind of give simple answers, although the gospel in its simplicity is complex and is the answer and the hope to every problem that has ever existed or will ever exist. It is the hope that we have that God will one day make all things new. But it it, it is that truth that we want to go to. So the entire Bible, and especially the Gospels, specifically the Gospels, tell the story of a loving, merciful, faithful God who releases his people from the prison of shame in order to bring joy and freedom to their lives. That's what he wants to do. He wants to bring freedom and joy into your life. He doesn't want you to, to have to be in that mental prison of shame. It started with his mercy toward Adam and Eve in the garden. He showed them mercy. He should have struck them dead on the spot. He didn't. He makes a a new covenant with them that he will be their God and they will be his people forever with the promise of a redeemer that will crush the head of Satan and destroy sin. That is good news. That's the gospel. God has come to help his people and he does it through his son Jesus, as we all know. And therefore, Jesus is the good news. And in order for there to be good news, there has to be bad news. And we're saying today, the shame is the bad news. And if we look at the life of Jesus, we see someone who is subjected to shame. Okay, now, did Jesus ever experience shame? I don't think Jesus experienced in the sense that he felt shame for his sin or behavior. Because he didn't sin. He never rebelled against God. But most likely, Jesus felt shame that others put on him. Remember, Jesus was born under nefarious circumstances. Conceived by the Holy Spirit? I mean, yes, we do believe that is true. But I can only imagine how that actually played out in everyday conversation. Right? Jesus was ridiculed by religious leaders. Imagine being ridiculed by your pastor. He was misunderstood for the things he said and did. Jesus was from Nazareth, a town that did not have a good reputation. Jesus was unjustly called names like a drunkard and a glutton. And so Jesus knows the pain of shame, and he chose to take our shame upon himself. Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 3 explain it this way. This is awesome. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. So that you may not grow weary or faint hearted. So this passage. God is telling us. He wants four things for us. God doesn't want us to be hindered by life. Especially by our sin. God does not want us to give up, but rather persevere. 
God does not want us to lose sight of Jesus, and God does not want us to grow weary or lose heart. He wants those things for you. And because he wants those things for us, he he chose to give us Jesus so that they can come to fruition. If we try to live with our shame, then these things will not happen. They they just won't happen. They will keep us from experiencing these things, the, the joy that God has in our lives, even in the midst of heartache and suffering. There can be joy. But shame has this way of blocking those things. And the passage makes it clear that Jesus took our shame to the cross. Our shame comes either from our own sin, the sin of others, or the biblical truth that we live in a sinful world. But Jesus takes away that sin and therefore takes away our shame, making it possible for us to be released from that prison of shame. And it says that he did it with joy. Why would, Je- why, why, would it be, why would Jesus be joyful about going to the cross? Why in the world would he be joyful about going to the cross? Because he knew what it would accomplish. He knew the impact that it would have on our lives. To release us from the prison that sin had put us in, the prison uh, uh, of shame that we were feeling, he knew it would release us from that. And that's why he had joy in going to the cross. You, you may feel like you don't deserve to be forgiven of your sin. But if you've put your faith in Jesus, then you need to start feeling like you've been forgiven of your sin because that is the truth. We've just... We've got to fight the lies that Satan tells us, that our culture tells us, that we tell ourselves, and start believing the truth. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has taken your shame to the cross. He's killed it, and it is possible for you to not feel that shame anymore. Because because God gives us, through Christ, he gives us a new identity We go from sinner to saint. We move from orphan to son or daughter adopted into his family. And the work that we have to do is to believe that Jesus has accomplished these things for us. This takes time. It doesn't happen usually overnight. It takes time and a constant effort in us to engage with this love that God has for us. To keep believing the promises of God. I keep, I have to say Romans 8 to myself over and over and over again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I feel condemned by my own sin, by my own shame, I go to Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. We have to go there. If you're feeling unworthy, not good enough, insignificant, lesser than others, untouchable or unacceptable, then listen to this description based on scriptural truth. I'm going to end with this. God treasures you, prizes you, and cares about you. God loves you with an everlasting love. 
God never forgets you. You are precious to him. God considers and you completely worthwhile. He calls you his beloved. You are dear to his heart. God is devoted to you and has a deep affection for you. He is fond of you and holds you dear. God is committed to you. He approves of you and cherishes you. God considers you important to him. You are valuable and significant to him. God likes you. God esteems you and he appreciates you. God is in favor of you. He has the highest regard and compassion for you. God gladly welcomes you into his presence. His heart overflows toward you and he calls you by name. God has sacrificed himself and suffered for you. God has chosen you to be his very own. You are fully pleasing to him. He has forgiven all of your past sins, present sins, and even your future sins. You are totally accepted by him and acceptable to him. God thinks you are worthy. God thinks that you are enough. You are 100% complete to him. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more than he does now, and there's nothing you can do to make him love you less than he does now. And this is all true because Jesus died for you and rose from the dead. He died to take away your sins and clothe you with his righteousness. He rose from the dead so that you could live with him and for him now and forever. Let's allow Jesus to take away our shame, to overcome it, because he has. We have to believe it. Let's pray. Jesus, I know I'm, I'm not the only one in the room who feels like they're not good enough. Lord, I know that we all have a sense that our sin has brought guilt and shame. That, that it's a deep feeling that we have and has affected our psyche in many, many ways and affected our relationships and our lives in ways we may not even understand. But we can move forward because of the grace of this gospel. We can believe that Jesus has taken our shame to the cross. Lord, give us that faith. Just like the man who needed his son healed, Lord, I do believe, help my unbelief. We put our hope and our trust in you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.